morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, near or far, high or low, you're listening to the Coach D Podcast and a part of the She Got Game series, I have a very special guest that has joined me in the studio and it's not every day that I get to speak to a Olympian, so guys, we, we have to do this the right way, so let's just, let's just start the show just like this, right, we have... At six foot four, being an Olympian in 2012 with the national GBT Gold Coast 2018 Commonwealth Games winner, winning a silver. And it, don't stop there, she's got 101 caps for her country, ranked number three all time in the GB program in blocks and fifth in all star field goals. We have in the studio, stepping on the court, Azalea Stewart. <laughs> that was amazing, man. I wish I could like burst out onto the court. That is material. I love that. Thank you so much. No, of course, of course. I just want to say I was um, telling her um, off the air, but thank you so much for your time for doing this on the podcast. I appreciate it so much. Now, a brief intro into yourself and this is kind of taken myself way back um this was i believe the first time i saw the gb women's team play um myself and coach hugh shout out to coach hugh we got tickets to see um it was like a a warm-up game i believe it was gb playing against greece um i want to say it was at the university of surrey um i I think, but it was super cool to see, you know, girls playing at the highest level. And um, funny enough, actually bumped into um, one of the um, former teammates for GB called um, Ross. She ended up coaching the 2017 London Regional Girls Team. So that's where I bumped into her and, and got her take on it. Now, I didn't even know that you started coming out of Harringay Angels and you actually got scouted from Dan Ballmaker playing a netball match. If I'm right. right, that's right, that is right. And how the before Dan um took you from netball to basketball, how long was you playing netball for? Was, um, was it your first well, game or yeah, well, I was in year seven, year eight, and you know, when you get into secondary school, you just try out everything. So I was playing football, I was playing, uh, you know, all the sports, track, and netball was really kind of, we were doing really, really well right. as that team. So we had played his local, um, his, no, not his his local team, his um, school team at Greg City. So when we went there to play netball that's when he saw me and was kind of scouting me look come down try out and see what it's all about and I just fell in love with it I was awful at first when I've I've said this um uh but I was by so I'm six foot four and pretty much by 16 I was six foot four so um it was just about learning uh, growing into my body understanding you know the skill and and learning what you need um to be a good basketball player which they taught me Dan Bowmaker and Phil so that's where it kind of started it was just I love netball it was if people don't know it's a seven-man sport and it's all you need every person on the court to Mm -hmm. win so I think that taught me great teamwork and uh and kind of got me ready for basketball was there a bit of um, 
I don't know, was there a bit of resistance at first making that transition from netball to basketball or because you kind of played every different sport, it was a case of, okay, let me just see what basketball is yeah. about. Yeah, I think it was just, let me just play everything because my school, you play all the local schools and I did everything, you know, sometimes they would just be like, hey, Zaini, do you have your PE kit? And I'm like, yeah, they're like, okay, come and run 1500. I'm like, what? Like, but that was just uh, awful. I have so many stories, but that's just who kind of, we were very new school, Alexandra Park. And uh, that was it. I just was trying to, I never thought about it when I was that age that I could be a professional or have the career that I did, but I just tried out everything. It was such a social thing, you know, all my good friends to this day are people who I played with on that team and netball and basketball team. Okay. So, so you came from quite a, not just a sporting background, but in terms of your school that you was at, at Alexandria, because they was interested in so many different sports. That's what kind of was the early images of what got you into sports. Yeah, I mean, my dad cycled. He he was he still cycles. My mum played netball when she was younger, so that's right. how I kind of knew about netball. And then it was just a new school, so and that's it. At that age, you just are into it, you know. And because all my friends were, there was definitely, you know, other after, well other females or people that weren't really into PE, but I loved it. So I just tried everything until I found my niche. So having found or go through so many different sports was there a a moment where things kind of clicked that okay it kind of makes sense for me to go from playing different sports to okay I actually want to focus on basketball was it a moment or a feeling I think the moment those two moments one I used to actually do kung fu as well I used to Uh, And my mum just couldn't afford both to send me to both. So I had to pick one or the other. And so I then kind of strictly just started to do basketball. And then also um, just kind of seeing more of the future as I started to get older, as I started to hit the 15 and 16 and seeing the kind of American dream of going over there and be able to pursue a high school and going to college. So those are kind of, the two big factors that made me go okay I'm actually pretty good at this and I want to dedicate more time um, and effort to it oh and how was you because I think I didn't really know that much about what the correct player pathway was was um, until I became a part of the RPCs in London in terms of this is what the player pathway should be for a player who's starting from school and leading up to play for GB and overseas at that time mm-hmm. with Haringey was it I don't know was it a clear cut um, no. step by step or did you kind no. of well, we, figure we out we were really I was one of myself and other uh, two other players who were at Greg City Marashi and um, Josette Kashmir we were all one of the first waves um, there was also oh. a, well, actually who's my best friend now because of basketball was Lauren Thomas Johnson who had made the first year um to going over to America but we were really the guinea pigs of it all learning how to you know get our visas and how much is it going to cost and making moves to you know we were really that I went in uh 2005 and Lauren went in 2004 kind of three so we were the first really to push the boundaries of okay British players and overseas players can go to America to 
pursue this game so we were really just running off you know what we could find and right. and made it happen what was those um initial because that that kind of puts a lot of things into perspective in, in terms of being a guinea pig but obviously in a good sense like what was the initial feelings of you kind of taking that first step in terms of okay I could actually like this is something that I really want to play and not just play and invest but take that next step in terms of you know being a potential professional which we're going to get on to um later but in terms of you kind of going overseas and how did you plan for that there was a lot of things like I didn't know all I went I, there was so much stuff now that I look back where I, I am today is just like I was learning so much I didn't know much about like the NBA or the WNBA because it's not really shown yeah. on TV here you know I was really new to the sport I didn't really know about it until I fully started to learn but then once those kind of that first door opened and then even when I made it to um my school which was a high school uh called not a dame academy once i made it there i started to learn even more like wow i can actually get a full scholarship and and go to school for free and that burden of my family is is you know is off and also just the career paths and what i could do it just opened so many doors that which i didn't know all i knew is i had to get there and once i got there I'll do everything in my power to, you know, see as many opportunities as I could. So once I got there, um, it kind of was just, I was so fortunate. My my high school team was one of the top ranked teams yeah. in, the, in the nation. And then uh, my summer uh, AAU team was one of the biggest, it was Boo Williams. So lots of college coaches right. came to see me. So it was just like, I just knew I had to get there because there's no opportunities for me here to succeed or to, you know, move on in this game. So America was where I needed to be. And I just knew once I get there, 16, everything else will fall into place. I just got to work hard at it, which it fortunately did. And what was those um, first initial feelings of moving over to the... Uh, did you, um, before travelling over to the States at like 16, did you have family that you used no, to visit no. or that was your very first time? Um, I had been when I was really young on, okay. uh, when my grandma retired. Uh, she took us to Florida, but that was it. This was my first ever real moving. My mum came over um, with me when I was, yeah, 2005, I was 16. And I moved in with my high school coach's mum with three other girls. Um right. And, and his mum just took us on and it was just a big time culture shock like you know eating collie greens and ham and grits and I was like what is <laughs> what is all this like I just never had any of this before and right. just learning how, just thrown in at the deep end really and um, and that was it and the first year for me was hard because you know now I have lots of kids who reach out to me or parents or try and ask for advice and, right. and I said you know it's easy now to go overseas because you've got the FaceTime you've got Skype Zoom yes, all these true. new platforms Instagram you know when I first moved to America I was still writing letters home right <laughs> I, it makes me feel so freaking old but I was writing letters home I was writing letters to my best friend she still has some of my letters there were long distance collect calls 
and then it was just the first age of um, that MSN messenger, the kind yeah, of, I yeah, of the internet well, yeah. of the bing, 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 you know what yeah, I mean, like that. Yeah. That was the first year. Um, so my first like six, seven months, I was writing letters and then the internet dropped fully, you know, where everyone could have a computer in their house and and that was it. So I'm like, it's easy now. It's so easy. Where before yeah. it was really a commitment, like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving home and i'm not going to speak to them for weeks on end um so it was different to i think now wow i mean yeah. and what what would you say was the biggest um adjustment in terms of you know being overseas and the playing style yeah it's definitely different um and the game has evolved throughout my career and even now it's like you know it was I was a post player I was the you know stay down on the block and as I grew up into my career I was able to you know perfect my craft and become a little bit more skillful with the ball and shooting and, and um, bring out my range but when I first moved it was like okay you're a post player you need to be run to the block go right there right. and post up you know so right, right. but also it was strength for me I wasn't strong I, I was very long and lean um, which I still am now but no muscle on, on me um, no strength and so my high school program was you know we lifted weights we ate we we trained twice a day we're in it was very college like he got us ready for college but even when i went to college i still weren't ready right so right. um that was probably the biggest change and also it was full time this time where when i was in um harrogate angels i think we trained three times a week sometimes two and play right. on the weekends you know right. so this was a pretty much a six day sometimes seven days a week regiment that i was not ready for and i think you you've covered it in terms of because i was just going to ask like what did you notice at that age that the girls had um over in the states compared to what the girls didn't have back home and you kind of just um, touched about it just being yeah but I think also the difference is um, the Americans have a great killer instinct. And you see this now with, you know, USA being so um, on top in the basketball, female and male. They just have this, you know, dog eat dog. I'm going to get to the top and, and we're going to win. And I didn't have, I didn't know how to get that out of me I didn't know I had it in me and so Americans have this true like culture of winning and feeling being on top and and so I've really learned that of I was very fortunate don't get me wrong I was in very successful teams great right. coaches around me right. um, and my journey was to, to do with my coaches but also just learning the American lifestyle and how much you can actually get from basketball. So right, right. that kind of what really fueled me. Being over there, did you um, develop a little bit of a twang, or it didn't catch um, do, I sound, do you think I sound American now? <laughs> Not at all. No, Not it's funny because no. when I was younger, I can pick up accents well. My my husband's from Manchester, so some of my words sometimes I say, okay. and my best friends are from. But when I was younger, I felt like my friends were coming like, "Oh my god, you sound so American!" I'm like, "Oh my god, me." <laughs> yeah. um, but it was more for me. It was to 
one immersed myself into the culture but the two I just was getting so frustrated when somebody would go oh what's trousers or what's <laughs> the boot and I'm like oh my pants the trousers right. so right, I was right. finding it easier just to speak the American slang or their yes. words so they wouldn't then stop me 20 million times and say trousers huh? what's that you know it's just, right, right. it became easier just to speak like them just to have a smoother <laughs> transition in life right and this is a, another thing that I kind of find myself going back and forth with just in terms of whether a player, is it something that a player is born with or something mm. that a player kind of has to learn? Because you said like over there, they've got the killer instinct. I'm curious, I mean, you being in that environment, I don't know, was you able to tell yeah. even to now whether someone is born with that or, or that's a habit that yeah. can be learned? That is a good, good question because I feel like, you know, that you you hear the sayings, a born natural leader. That is me. You know, I'm born a natural leader. And that's what I was pretty much my whole career on, even as I became a professional. You wasn't going to get 20 points out of me, but I would get us on the same road, um, you know, on the same wavelength of, okay, what do we need to be successful? And that was, I, I started that ship kind of, but for me can it be learned I think so because of me then going to America and understanding how they think how the game is how much money is really riding on it you know meaning in you know when I went to Florida the school's such a big um, powerhouse and there's a lot of you know I mean that's what I'm talking about in the money aspects but I do think it can be taught um, but I do think it, it just depends on each person because if somebody's got a grudge or somebody's grown up hard there's a lot of um things that are fueling you anyway and motivating right. you um right. anyway so i do think it can be taught but i do think there's a lot of you know you're born with great talents with skills and then there's some people that just have to spend a lot more time in the gym or for myself i wasn't you know school was very difficult for me so I needed to spend way more time in the classroom and study halls and tutoring because that wasn't that wasn't easy for me so I spent more time there because I knew if I didn't have the grades I couldn't play so um, that didn't come easy for me but I knew I had the tools and also the with the schools they were giving giving you free classes free tutoring you just had to take advantage of them so i think it's all there to be learned uh, right. it just has to be the person who's you know on the other end right right now moving on to you being a florida gator and when i'm doing my research and seeing just the difference i mean i i kind of had a rough idea of what the difference is in terms of playing university basketball in England versus the mm-hmm. States but to get the full package of excuse me chartered flights and the campus and the arena yeah. like what was that experience like for you and and it, it must have been um what's the word something to live up mm-hmm. to playing mm-hmm. in, in that type of environment exactly and like I was saying of it I didn't know when I first was going through the recruiting process right. I wanted to be the big fish in the small you know in, in the small school I wanted to be that person but yes. then through my um what was I going to say through my um you know finding a school process my coach actually she was at Charlotte and then she got the Florida job yes. so that's kind of how that came out but 
once I got there, um, just I was telling my uncle actually the other day, I was like, yeah, we have a we have a private jet. We charter flights that the team gets on. But I got on, I would do our uh, media day for Florida. I was the captain. So I would go at uh, the beginning of each season to the, uh, we would go to different cities and do SEC um, media day. Wow. And we would get on a, a private jet with a gate assigned on the side. It is big oh. time, big hey. time money. You know what I mean? Like, so here I am, a girl from London and, you know, from <laughs> Green, and I'm getting on private jets. I said, wow. Jeez. All right. Jeez, you know what I mean? So that's how they really, I think America has, and I wish England would take, a, you know, a leaf out of their book. I yes, think they do such indeed. a great job in, indeed. there's a full scale big time money and you can run an economy they do the nfl right, the nba right, easily you know what i mean big right. time um companies invest into these sports and even college teams um you know you have big boosters and all this but going to florida was a big um eye-opening to that right and just uh, just the culture the fact that how much people there's gators everywhere i would be in you know i've been in london before and i've seen somebody with a gator t-shirt on right, or right. all over so for me it was it, it, you do hold yourself to a higher standard because you're not only just playing for yourself you're representing your school exactly. and um so yeah so that was kind of I, I, I still love the school in itself is amazing the, right. and I picked and like I said I speak to younger girls now or even boys and I said take your visits you know make sure you take more than two visits of different colleges so you can contrast and compare and not only you know you're playing basketball but that's where you have to go to school every day that's exactly. where you have to live that's right. where you have to eat right. so make sure it's the right environment for you because right. you see so many people leave after a few months like oh it wasn't for me it's like you didn't truly have a look at the school outside of the basketball um program you know right, so right. i love my school i found it quite um interesting and if you could just um mention uh your i think it was the basketball called the basketball gods telling you exactly which college to pick because you kind of saw something in the distance yeah which i found quite <laughs> amazing that yeah was god so, giving you that assist to hit that three four it was games. fun <laughs> i uh well i took four visits i lived right. in virginia for high school so i visited virginia and virginia tech and mm. then i went to florida and miami and when i was at my miami visit we sat down in this like kind of park area and there was this little lake and um the head coach is the same head coach is there and she's sitting there and she's talking to me you know offering me come you know four years blah 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 putting the spill on and as she she's talking a literal a real alligator pops out in the distance pops out in the yeah and (laughs) swims across and it pops out through her other ear so this is obviously in a in a distance so it's looking like it's real life right And then, so my dad actually, my dad lives um, in Jamaica for half a year and he had flown up to Florida to meet me for these visits. And so we had the conversation. I was like, yo, dad, did you see that? Like, there, there was that gator there. And he was like, well, wow, that's really, it's a sign, isn't it? Right. So, we, yeah, we took our visit to Florida and that was it. I said, pretty much came home and I was happy to, to sign on the dotted line. I signed early. I wanted it out of the way so I could just really concentrate on my senior year and have that mm-hmm. stress done. But right, yeah, that's right. how I 
I picked I knew it was the school for me because I was right. getting <laughs> and just in terms of because as a college athlete you're getting so much thrown at you have you seen I mean is there two sides to that coin in terms of some people understand that it's not just about basketball and they're not there to show what they can do but they're representing a college you know and their role models to the younger kids that are looking up at them was there some players who um i don't know maybe got distracted or wasn't able to deal with that type of expectation because you I mean you're, you're on private jets you know well, is paid yeah. for. was there there good and bad um, I think there was. I think the men's and women's game is different um, because the men's game, they can be out and into the league sooner. They don't have to finish their education where women um, don't have that opportunity. We have to finish all four years. So I think it's different for the women and men's game, but we know we're there for all four years and, and going to enjoy our career. Okay. Um, but I think for, I had lots of incidents that, you know, some things... I had tweeted something or I had done something and, you know, you, you don't realise the backlash because in the moment you're thinking selfishly and, oh, right, yeah, me and right, this is cool right. and I'm doing this and, you know, look at me. And then you realise, wow, actually, no, I'm, you know, there is a young girl or a young boy who sees that tweet or sees me acting a fool in public or these are just random examples. Right, Obviously, course, I've done right. none of them. <laughs> of course. No, no but no. let's keep it real. You know, there's yeah. this, you, you, you know, you are a teenager, you are, you are in your 20s, you're 21, yeah, right. you're out and about and, and you have to conduct and hold yourself at a, a higher standard because that scholarship can be taken away or, yeah. you know, somebody can see you act in a certain way so I feel like you do you do have to hold yourself um at a higher level because right. you are an athlete and not even just the public but your people your peers in school and how they they look at you and and you know some teachers well you need to have that on time because just because you're an athlete doesn't mean you're going to get an extra day or right. you know some right. there's teachers that didn't care you know so I don't care that you're an athlete have your have your paper have your whatever and then you've got other teachers that are like yeah sure I know you're on the tournament this week I'll, I'll give you a little bit of leeway but I just felt like you are holding you are it's just like when I play for Great Britain I've got I'm holding the, the colours for the rest of the country exactly right, you know there's not right. that many people who can fight or play for or, or show their their flags or the same way as the Gators so you do have to hold yourself at a different standard right right and what do they because I'm quite I'm curious because I've over there there's the pre-con the pre-game conference post-game conference and mm -hmm. even before that day they teach you a little bit of media training but what exactly do they go through in terms of getting you prepared for those questions by the reporters and by the media yeah yeah you take it they actually put you in a class like oh wow they have real life cameras coming in and that's where i kind of learned my i loved because i i wanted to do communications as my major yes. but you know they put you in a classroom and they put a camera right in front of you and they teach you um different things like you know if somebody got up there and and this guy's talking and she was like do you have chewing gum in your mouth and he was like yeah and she was like nope take that yeah, out take and out, who right. even who thinks to take out your chewing gum but yeah. that changes the way you talk or the way you look or 
you know, and to be confident and, and how to even deflect questions because there are some, you know, angry times or there are rivals or somebody who doesn't have your best intentions. So they even taught us how to, you know, a bad question comes about, you know, what do you think of this? Da, 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 da. And you say, well, you know, today I'm really looking forward to this game and we're really, boom, they've taught us how to deflect and swerve around a question that we don't really particularly want to answer or if you don't feel comfortable or safe or so they taught us that and I don't mm-hmm. know if they taught us that from early um, because they know how prestigious our, our school is they know that previous athletes um, have got in trouble or so they do put stuff in in um, in the works to to make us successful right right and there was quite another funny story that I learned there'll be um, a few times and please correct me if I'm wrong where you'll be walking around the campus and there'll be people like congratulating you on, on achievements because you resembled Joe Kim Noah's sister <laughs> yeah so the wow. year the year I came to Florida they had um, they had won the back to back so Joe Kim was there so they right. thought one I was Joe Kim at one point and then there was another daughter of um, the Boston Celtics was Doc Rivers' daughter was at Florida. Right. And she looked like me. And that was the year they had won the NBA championship. So I was walking around campus like, congratulations, say <laughs> hi to your dad. And I'm like, who are they talking? What? Right. My dad's, what are they saying? And then I finally right. met this lady. And I was like, oh, wow, we do look very, very similar. Right. So between Joe Kim and, and Doc Rivers' daughter was was pretty funny. My goodness. And in terms of, because you touched upon it earlier, um, just speaking about players who are making that transition and getting a scholarship and playing overseas, you talked about it on the basketball side, but from an educational standpoint, what were some of the things that you looked at at some of those institutions that kind of was like like you ticking off the box for, okay, I'm considering going to this university? Yeah. Well, some, I mean, Virginia and Virginia Tech were very high prestigious schools, you know, private schools. um, But for me, it was more um, just support within the classroom. And, you know, am I going to get extra tutors or, you know, extra help because I did struggle in the school aspect. So that was super important to me. Um, Mm -hmm. But then also just like what's on offer, you know, know, these schools now have, it's such a different game now because now you're getting, you know, money and food and all, all this stuff where I was still struggling in, in college. My, my parents didn't send me any money and yeah, they pay for your education but right. and yeah, there's a food plan but what if you're hungry at 10 o'clock at night and they're not open, you know? So um, it's just really what, uh, can they support you? And this Florida definitely supported me and I saw that from the jump in my freshman year I um I I got really ill and I got um my kidney got infected right in 2008 and I hadn't played one minute for Florida I was a freshman on campus summer and I get sick and they paid for my um surgery which was 60 to 80 thousand um dollars uh didn't ask for my family for a penny because you know my mum and my dad flew in because I was I was seriously ill and, and the doctor said oh do you have insurance and they look at my parents and my parents are like oh you know what <laughs> right. like we're in trouble here and right. my coach stood up and said no we've got that thank you very much 
don't worry and that was it and so here I am you know 19 years old haven't played one minute for Florida and they're already looking after me and getting me right so goodness me now it's one thing for you know I'm, I'm going to take baby steps here because my mentor always told me just in, in terms of how to get players prepared because you know I'm coaching in schools and different places and you might hear oh I'm the best in my class so I might say okay if you're the best in your class are you the right. best in your year if mm-hmm. you're the best in your year are you the best in your area if you're the best in your area are you the best in the borough and so on and so forth so there's one thing for you know, someone to wear, you know, Harangay Angels, which is a huge achievement. But then for you to be selected to represent GB during the Olympics and its home turf, what was those initial feelings like? And going in, was there any expectations that you put on yourself as a player and the team? Um, one, the best, mo- other than my silver medal, but that was probably one of the best moments in my life uh, in the fact of like you said being a London town girl and it's in London and mm-hmm. all my family were going to be in the in the arena and watching me and and on TV you know what it's crazy because I was 20 what was I 23 20, I was mid 20s and yeah. I wish I knew what I knew now back then um, because I was just in it and I get it and I knew it was a big moment and but I didn't have the same IQ that I as I learned and grew throughout my professional career but okay. um, going back to your question is this is the biggest moment and and to this point we haven't been in another Olympics so it's a historical right. time right. you know so for me Oh man, there's this one, it's the first game of the night. So let me tell you this quick story of okay. through the tournament, it, um, obviously it's a full day, but they're broadcasting. So we had the last game of the night, which was 11.15 at night tip. Okay, wow. So we had to prep ourselves uh, the weeks coming up to it. And we had an older girl on our team who went to bed so early just in general and we had to stay up late so we would start doing later trainings we would you know watch movies together till you know because we're playing at half past 12 one o'clock in the morning right right and none of us had been unless it's a time zone difference which obviously you're just in that country but this was 11.15 so you know at 12.30 it's half time right (laughs) my gosh um, and so that's kind of what we were training for and putting our bodies through so much to get ready for this moment. Right. Um, but it was it was fantastic. I can't even... Ah, uh, man. It, it, you have to really be there. And even though we didn't win a game on paper, we, we battled our way through that whole tournament and made, right. you know, our, the basketball community and GB so proud that... That, that's something that nobody can ever take away from me. I'm an Olympian, right. medal or not. Right, exactly. Because even oh man, so I mean, I was, I was proud because I remember at the time it just felt like it, it was just energy buzzing through the whole of London. No matter what sport, it was Team GB, right. and there'll be arguments. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna beat you. Nah, you're gonna <laughs> beat us. And the energy. So I mean, I could I could only imagine what the open ceremony was like being on the villa just just to be in the thick of it all must have been such a humbling 
experience. No, it really, it really was. Even like with the um, the opening ceremony, we were in category, we were alphabetized in the sports. So you know, archery, basketball, boxing, right, like right. everything was in a row. So we've left. We're obviously the last ones to go out because we're the home nation. Right. So they're like, get in order. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. By the time we're ready to go out, we're all jumbled up. We're all just like having fun. They're like, okay, no cameras. Make sure you wave to the queen on the left. Oh, we're like, wow. yeah, yeah. So we get out there, cameras out, forget to wave to the queen. <laughs> you know, forgot queenie. And we're just out and, you know, the confetti comes down, the music going and it was it was unreal so um really just a, a great moment in time and it was funny my sister was going through just doing some spring cleaning and she found this gb skirt which i've never worn and i was like oh we don't need that let's get rid of it she was like no that's so momentous like we right. have to keep it and right. so um but yeah it was so long ago now We're, we would have been on to our third olympics um prior well second to after it so um yeah it's just it's crazy man it's crazy but like i said if i could if i knew what i knew now back then i think i would have been a whole different player of really dominating and understanding um and then i was just doing my role which is so important you know have you seen obviously i know you have the the last dance yes um, of Jordan course. And, of you know, course. there's always a Jordan, but what what people forget is there's four other players on the court, and without those it. four other players doing it. their role, bringing up the ball, passing it to Jordan, right. um, there is no championship. And so those other players are just as key as Michael Jordan. Right. And so right. I was never a Jordan, and I don't even think I would count myself as a Pippin. I was, you know, I was somebody who led us in such a different way um mm-hmm. so yeah mm-hmm. so a bit mad a bit mad which is, <laughs> I, it's nice to go back and it's funny because i never i was never a stats kind of person i was never i didn't care about um my accolades i didn't care about what i had done i just did my job and i tried to do it as the best of my abilities but now that i'm retired and i've done a few of these podcasts and a few interviews and videos and they bring up my my you know you're this top and you've done this and I'm like wow did I (laughs) that was me (laughs) like cool you know so I just never I never cared for it no people I think it's a men's ego thing like I had 20 points in this and I was like I don't know how many I had they're like you don't know how many you scored I'm like nah we won bless like cool um so yeah but the Olympic Games mad good times man see and you've you've touched upon it because with the last dance obviously it's it's raised a lot of debates with the whole mj lebron and so on but i think the two main debates that i found myself in was the first one was you know there's you know everyone knows that mj was the guy but you kind of understood the role the weight on your shoulders in terms of being that guy if you miss Mm -hmm. a shot people look at you different and versus not everyone can be the guy and it takes a lot of What's the word? Self-awareness and humility to understand I'm just a role player. And a role mm-hmm. player is, to me personally, just as valuable as the guy because right. there's that thing And of, also, the, the role player is really the guy who stays in the league probably longer than... Talk about it. Right. Than, longer than the, the, big, the big boss because he just keeps doing his job and he keeps... T- you know knocking away at it and you don't have double teams when you're not the the big 
Jordan or you know the superstar you don't have um, all the pressure on you know making this shot you know it's coming to you yeah these people do succeed and excel in these moments Mm -hmm. but you do need role players and I think people get so distracting of I want to be this person I'm doing this and I didn't get the ball and you lose sight of it's actually a team game and you know um and that's where I made a lot of my money of being, you know, I'm going to block shots. You you know I'm going to be there on help defense for you. I'm going to talk you through the screens. Um, that's that's just, that was, that's what I excelled in. You know, I didn't, I can shoot threes, but I never shot threes in my career because if I'm shooting threes, who's rebounding? Right. You know, right. so I made sure my screens were legit. My screens were so strong that, my shooter's coming off this play that we've set up and she's going to hit it and she hits the three and I honestly would run down the court like I hit the three just because (laughs) I set that you know that badass screen and we ran the play we executed it and we've scored and I'm like yes like that was me I did that and until you're very selfless and you understand like without me we're not successful um, then it's it's a whole different ball game was that a role that you kind of came up, you learned just through playing at the different levels or did a coach or coaches help really nurture um, and define that role? I think it kind of, you know, I got the bell in my head, like, bing, in my <laughs> junior year, I think, of college. And what happened was I was in a bad, bad mood. I think I studied, honestly, like 10 hours for this oh, test. Wow. And I oh, got nice and I failed it and I got a D. And I came in pissed. I was like, nah, that's, you know, BS, I'm, I'm mad. And the practice went awful. Boop, oh, you know, coach, beep, get on the line, beep, no, do it again, beep. And it was just awful, awful, this terrible practice. Then the next day, kind of happened again. And the next day I thought, oh, you know what? I'm just going to have it. I'm going to lock in today. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to, you know, be at the front, talk, da, da, da. Practice went smooth. Wow. And I was like, wow, okay. So then the next day I tried it, same thing, nice, boom, coach is happy, we're, we're rolling. And then the next day I just, like, kind of like a little so, like science project. I said, let me just see if I don't talk or if I don't rebound and I'm not setting us up, how the practice goes. It went mm-hmm. it went down. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this, I don't like to. Oh, no, it no, went to shit. It went right. to shit. You right. know, it was awful. And I thought, wow, this is the power of me. Right. Um, and I figured that out and I said, you know, for these two, three hours, whatever the practice is, however my, you know, my love life or my family or whatever's going on, I just check that at the door for these few hours, lock into this practice or this get or, or you know, practice equals the games, but it was more yeah. the practices, then come out and deal with whatever I had. And once I figured out that motion, my my career and my mindset completely changed that I knew I had that power to really sway how a practice went mm-hmm. you know what I mean so that kind of was my I think my sophomore junior year of college and then once I went pro um I really started to see that and the effects of what myself could do to right. a team right and being on the villa because me personally if if I was in your shoes obviously I'm going to be professional but if if I'm on the villa and, I, and I'm seeing all these great athletes I'm going to want to questioning you know how they get into the mindset and just just be acting like a complete nerd so for yourself when you was on the villa was you very 
professional and wasn't really distracted on seeing certain athletes and locked in or was you able to convert? You you talking about the village when we were in, in the Olympic Games? Yes. Yeah. Um, a little bit. I remember it was the first boost of Instagram and my roommate, my teammate, she was like, she would go to the dinner hall and she would see, you know, Kobe and Hussein and and all these uh, sapphire and all the and she would come back and she'd go oh look at these pictures and I was like great and you know I think I have one I think I have one with LeBron in the opening ceremony but they were you in the United States so they came out just before us but I had so I knew so many Americans because actually Florida that year sent so many um from my my school to the Olympics so but um I don't really remember. For me, I never, um, I don't idolize them, like because they okay. tie up their shoes the same way I same do. They put in, right. they put in so much I sweat and tears. Strong. If right. anything, I understand more, mm-hmm. the, understand them, like, right, like we're on the same battle and the same kind of wave of life. And right. so I just kind of, I never really got crazy about it I just kind of thought yeah you you hail them up you give them respect like yeah good job I did actually this is funny I saw Tony Parker because the village is 24 hours um food all you can eat food anything you can think of Caribbean McDonald's uh English Indian they put all the cuisines in there right because you're feeding the world so we I don't think we weren't allowed but obviously we're in the Olympic Games we're not trying to eat McDonald's until the last night um, when we finished we had a McDonald's but (laughs) in the middle of the tournament I see Tony Parker um, in the queue for McDonald's and I'm like what he's having McDonald's but he got an ice cream and I thought what if Tony Parker can have an ice cream I can have an ice cream exactly as you should have why not (laughs) Um, but no I didn't I just kind of stayed we're there just as professionals you know everyone else were there for a job and and um it's very business minded until the very end or right. you know some sports for instance like okay so basketball's a tournament game so yes. you you play then you take a day off so you're playing five games over 10 days where if you're a, a, a boxer or you know some certain uh, events yes. if you lose yeah. right. so i had a boxer friend he lost on the first night that's his olympic games over so then he can party, he can have fun, he can get distracted okay. and you can get sucked into that. So you have right. to be careful of, you know, we do have a job. We are playing five games in 10 days where some sports, they're one and done. Once you've lost your fight or whatever the game is, you're in there having yeah. having a great time. Right, right. And you um, spoke about this, which I thought was very important in terms of, you know, before you know a sport I think at the time because basketball is still a growing sport and the government and the sporting um, funding just kind of looks at it as because we haven't won any medals we shouldn't get any funding but you made mm. a important statement saying that you know the importance of learning to win I think that often gets overlooked like people don't want to see the scrimmages they, they just want to see you win the championships but the scrimmages mm. and uh, writing things up on the chalkboard is so important so if you could just touch on like how you learned how to win as a player um what I think also is people only see the winning right if yes. you're not in the game you only see the win or the loss you don't see the hours that you put in the the actual real the saying the sweat tears and 
all of that that's real like right. I've cried a lot I've, I've bled a lot I've hurt myself a lot for this game to win or lose so right. I think fans especially you know I have a husband who's in the NFL and I've seen you know people saying stuff on Instagram and oh you this this is like you've never picked up a ball in the day of your life you've never broken your fingers or mm-hmm. you know torn your your whole body up for this game right. for a franchise and the same with me right. um, but it is that what drives us it's like you know when you're seeing like your mama's cooking or whatever and she's coming you're like oh when you're salvating you're like oh yeah this is gonna be good that is us for a win like to be successful and i just think for you know british basketball they said you know you have to win a medal yes we didn't for um the olympics but then we win a medal you know many years later what five years i think 12 to 8 yeah 2008 we finally won a silver medal yes it's in the commonwealth games but this is just a true factor of great britain one we did it with nothing they haven't funded us in years but Mm -hmm. second of all it just shows you what of a mess it is because the next commonwealth games is in birmingham and they don't even choose five on five basketball they do three on three so we can't even one defend our silver or become one better and get gold because there's no no five on five basketball it's like it just defeats the point we're banging our head against the wall constantly it's like here we are you take away all our you know all the funding all the money everything from us and still we managed and that wasn't even the commonwealth game was in the middle of season we didn't have our best players you know there was no temi fagbelli no joe there was lots of people who are a big part of our gb squad was not there and still we managed to come out with a fantastic silver medal and then the following commonwealth games you don't have the basketball as a as one of the competitions it's just bizarre to me that even when you take it away we still show you look we're worth it with we're you know i have i have so many young girls who you know reach out to me especially in america but you know asking me questions and how can i get into it but it's it's not evolved it's the same way how i had to leave in 2005 to better myself to go to america yeah. we're still hit within the same spot and if anything even worse it's yeah yeah it's it's, it's, it's it's so true because um there's that the world then quote in terms of um him saying how you know, if you have a player who's super talented get him out of the uk and get him to the states and it's not that he's condoning him taking away from his family or friends but if you want to give him the best opportunity not just yeah. in terms of basketball but in, in in terms of education that's the mm. way to go so that is the way to go and not only you know being a, an athlete but then being a woman as well right. like the same struggles you see you know the soccer the football players having in this country with yes. the arsenal the big time they they're still struggling too so not only right. at the elite levels of what is this this country's biggest sport okay um, football right. but then you see the women struggling the same exact way mm-hmm. so it's just so disappointing that even how many years you know i played 10 plus years for my country and like like i said broken and, and sweat and tears and and managed to have such a successful career for gb get us to certain places that people doubted us and even mm. you know well you have to get there before we give you the money okay we get there you give us the money and we and you take it away and it's like we're still getting there right. because we didn't medal so 
I just think it's a losing battle not only within sports but being you know the women's sports and and I think it's just so difficult because why you know okay some little girl or whatever looks up to me how do I how do I be as English Stuart you know and there's no there's no system in places is basketball even pushed anymore in schools is is even playtime that important to the government it's all now you know less playtime and and it's so important not only just for the winning aspects for health aspects now we see Mm. so much mental health or whatever but even now being retired when I don't work out my my day goes bad or I'm feeling very you know overwhelmed or and and just in daily life we realize how much exercise and probably through this pandemic you people who would have never run who would have never bought a I'm bike t- before yeah i've seen it yeah yeah do you know what i mean i mean mm-hmm. i'm in uh I'm, I'm in i'm back in london right now i'm in broadwater farm and i'm seeing every culture every right. woman man child on a bike running I'm, i go there 7 30 to work out in the morning yeah i know right. kino but you know <laughs> everyone's out there and who would have thought it's because of how much it does for your mind so not only yeah. as an adult think as kids so you're taking away playtime or you're taking away opportunities to play other sports it's just it's just a bit obscene to me right. it's a bit hard to watch especially how many years i um i did and, and fought and you know some of my my professional life I was trying to push for the politics side of it and there's this big interview of me crying on the BBC and blah 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 embarrassing but it's not because it was at the point of wow here I am I've worked so hard to keep pushing for the for the women's sport of basketball and nothing is being done like that's Mm -hmm. why I got so upset you're taking away these opportunities it just it was just a bit of a slap in the face and and now that i'm out of the sport um i still having the same struggles even after winning a medal getting to the euros becoming fourth in the europeans um the list goes on you know we've been badding up the place for a very very long time so yeah what's um What's one thing that you wish, I guess, people from the outside looking in? I mean, you touched upon it before. What's one thing that you wish that people from the outside looking in was made aware of, just in terms of the journey of a athlete? Um, I think the sacrifice, you know. I think, you know, there's a lot of things I've missed in my life. Um, mm. births, weddings, christenings, whatever your, you know, birthday, the, the list goes on of family time and and the things that you sacrifice for this sport that, you know, a fan looks at and, <clears throat> and they don't realise that we do dedicate and put in so much um, just time, but also of ourselves, you know, right. that you just let go of that you know you know i spent a long time and now that i'm retired i can be home for longer and everyone's like oh it's so nice to see you it's so nice that you're home there was so many years that here i was yes it's for my own choice but you are playing for a team you are playing for a country and then you do have people who have their negative things or they don't follow it or they've got something smart to say it's like unless you've been in our shoes i think you need to think a bit have a bit more compassion and understanding of you know there's many a times that 
you know and and we are human too you know deaths happen right. you know new birth there's a lot of emotional things that we deal with that we have to put to the side to play the game to mm-hmm. make it you talk to, to win for the fan or to win right. for the country and and so i think for me it's more just have a bit more compassion and understanding of the same way you struggle and go to work uh, it doesn't really you know what I mean so right, right, um, I think that yeah. and also just supporting you know just being supportive of of uh, especially women's sports and promoting it and and pushing for it so yeah I think I think that's so important to keep not only the sport alive but to, to keep pushing for what is actually good exactly exactly because um i would say the key word that stood out to me that you said was sacrifice because for people who don't know that commonwealth silver did not come easy because that happened mid-season and it was quite interesting that you was um speaking about in the podcast that you had to travel back and forth to be a part of that team as well so yeah so i wasn't i wasn't going to i wasn't going to play that because we were in the euro cup and we were going really fast so i never committed to it but once we uh, lost our game I was like wow I think I should do it like and I was in Latvia so I flew to London straight to London to Australia big boy what was that like 15 it was a long 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 flight play wow. the game win the silver medal fly right back and then slot right back into my fit season and finish my season and actually win my season so who 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 knew that you know I didn't right. promote it I didn't say oh look at me it was just a sacrifice of I want to be there for for the England team but also I need to go back to my team and my job and and finish out what I signed the contract for so it was hard it was definitely hard um and probably my silver medal not only because it's hardware and it is amazing but what stands behind that silver Mm -hmm. medal and what I did to get it is probably um the most rewarding for me and you mentioned you was um the most happiest at that time because you was um, I think that was the, the very last time you was playing for GB if I'm correct yeah that was kind of the cherry on top I knew yes. I was coming to the end um, right, right. and a, a quick reminder if somebody is coming to the end of their career I always say kind of I'm no Kobe but you know how he had the kind of like Kobe farewell in the right. fact of I said that at the beginning of that season, this will be my last. And so I enjoyed every up and down and every moment. So to win the silver medal um, and then win the Latvian League. And then I played 100 and 101 caps for Great Britain. It's like Mm. I couldn't. Honestly, you can't really you can't write this. How amazing that my career was finishing with two medals and a, a massive landmark in in GB's caps and um, and then we win and I put them on to the Euros they go to the Euros and you know they beg me like are you sure you don't want to play and I said no nah, I've, <laughs> I've got you to wear and look they didn't leave me they get to the fourth it, um, they win uh, fourth place they luck- uh, sadly lose um, to the third medal yeah the bronze medal but that was it for me it was like wow I said farewell I said goodbye to it and if you don't say goodbye to it as an athlete you have now the next wave of issues of you know people you get to uni and you get out and you're in that 20s weird stage and you're like oh god what am I going to do with my life and you get a bit depressed or you get a bit like I'm going to take a year out and I'm going to do this 
well as athletes we don't have that until we retire so that's like mm-hmm. what in our mid-30s wow so you have this moment of like well what am I going to do and some people aren't as fortunate enough to me like me to say goodbye to it in the fact of they get injured or they just don't get a contract or they get pushed out and so if it's in your control that okay this will be my last year I really recommend you do that to yourself um to really enjoy those moments of even when it's hard and you're in the gym and you're like rah this practice needs to be finished I'm tired my legs can't (laughs) go no more I'm over this I'm over this shit I was saying for me I'm ready you just every I had so many of those practices and I was like you know what wow like I'm I'm loving this and fortunately I had a really one of my favorite coaches within GB and with my uh, Latvian team who really put me in places to be successful made it so easy for me to really say goodbye to the game awesome awesome so you've you've, um, answered my question without me even having to ask it which is beautiful because I wasn't necessarily like is that a common um, discussion amongst players and between player and coach in, in terms of not just what's going on in season but life after basketball Mm. I don't really I don't think in the pros it is I think in college because a lot of you know there's a small percentage that do then go on to the NBA or pros so I think in college they do a good job of actually you're not going to play pro so what are you going to do you need this education so I think they do a great job in that aspect but in the pro life no there's nothing to prepare you for the after you know should are you saving your money are you you Mm. know sorting out certain finances or stocks or bonds or what are you doing or you know what I mean or you just blowing your money or there's no life lessons other than learning it yourself so for me I think you learn that throughout the years and I managed to have a great successful career but what about the people okay you go pro and you only play one or two years now what Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't think it's spoken about at all Um, and like I, I made the example of you know, regular people get that in their early 20s of like, okay, I don't have a job, I got out of uni. Well, here we are, all we know is basketball or whatever the sport it is. And it's a grind to find a new niche, which I'm really fortunate enough because I've found, now I commentate basketball, so I'm still in something I love. I love the game. And um, I get to talk about it. I get to see the best of the best and, and just pretty much have a chat. And it's amazing but not everyone can have those opportunities so um, but it's not spoken about at all and because one thing that well many things that amaze me about you but this one in particular is would you say because you've bounced around so many different countries and playing for great clubs um, specifically signing with Adelaide Lightning in 2013 being coming from a past where you've kind of had to adjust to a new culture and playing style was that transition a little bit more easier because you kind of had experience in the past or was it kind of just a new experience new playing style so it's funny because I was literally talking about this the other day obviously with this big you know Black Lives Matter and, and this whole movement of right. I I understood like I am I'm a light skinned mixed race black woman right, right. but right. I can fit into every culture because my skin is light enough 
that I, I, I lived in Hungary and I would have people come up to me and speak Hungarian to me and I'm like no sorry Nem I'm not I'm not Hungarian you know right. or I'm in Australia there's a big that you know they don't they don't really rate the Aborigines and the black people and there's a big push I understood that and I was I had to understand that if my skin was different would would that transition or would that movement be easy for me but for me I could fit into any culture I could fit into you know I was an Australian I was a Hungarian I was a Spanish I made sure I tried to Hungarian is one of the the hardest languages to learn it's up there with you know the the Chinese and all those kind of things but I tried to learn the simple you know the thank yous the yes the no's um it, you know simple sayings you know you need to learn all the swear words as well that's <laughs> of course. Fun. but um i really try to immerse myself in in each culture and learn just you know just take some time out and understand and you know and the respect of um i'm living here for eight to nine months um and trying to just be the best you know what whatever culture i'm in so i, I was speaking to somebody about that that i, I am very fortunate i don't know if it if, if it would be different for somebody else who right. was black or who was white and you know i have been to countries where my black teammates or myself that we've been there's monkey noises or you know oh. what i mean there are there's still definitely places where it's difficult right. um to play so i do I, i'm not um I, I don't take that for granted at all and I have to understand and sympathize with both sides so that mm-hmm. definitely helped but like I said I tried to and I made an effort to learn um, my cultures that where I was living right. and I don't think a lot of people do do that when you live overseas That's um, true. so yeah wow and in terms of how you was introduced to basketball was quite unique if you was to change anything just in in terms of how girls and just players in general are introduced into basketball especially here in um, London what things would you like to see change I just think uh, more opportunities I think especially for the women's game um, in in all women's sport Mm -hmm. I just think it's more opportunities and and just showing that they do matter and they do care because like I said before earlier in this in this podcast is that you know so if there is a baby Z there's a a Zania Stewart who wants to follow my footsteps right how can she you know when Mm. there's not there's not a lot of motivation or excitement or money put into it so it, it really is from um the top that but I I I think I think I've touched on a lot of it, of just the health aspect, the mental right. health, the right. fun, also the friendships that you make and the experience. I've travelled from Australia to China to Hungary to everywhere around the world. What, what? Because I, I put a ball in the in net. Yeah. Like I've been paid big time money right. because of the sport. So that's what I do. Try not to deter especially young people is like you can learn so much you can have so many life um, lessons in this sport and get paid for it and get an education um so that's what i do say and but i think that den that uh deng um quote is right that you do need to unfortunately there aren't a lot of um opportunities here to make money or to be on a bigger 
stage uh, right. so you kind of do have to go to America or in Europe um, as you see like the Donich uh, yes. Luca Donich in yeah. Spain or uh, England's like the only country who don't have a kind of a system for you know young athletes other than football but mm. if you see if you see um, Spain their their football teams attached to their basketball team right. so when you go to Barcelona right. you see the basketball uh, the Barcelona basketball team you see the exactly. Madrid team so even if I was a football fan and I had never been to a game but I'm a big time Madrid fan I'm like yeah I've got tickets for the basketball yeah, I'm exactly. gonna go see that right. and I think England could learn a lot of you know if there was an Arsenal basketball team or that's my team obviously but you know or a Manchester <laughs> I think I think it used to be like that back in the day I think Manchester United tried to do a team but I think many many years ago okay. but um if imagine if they jumped on that that wave of okay i don't want to you don't need to even sponsor us but you just need to put your logo on our on our shirt right and just the interest think how many fans there are yeah. manchester united or manchester city fans there are around the world that just come to england and go i want to go to that stadium oh wow there's a basketball game on right now Man- exactly. madrid's playing manchester united's playing right there's a whole industry and they don't realize how much it could actually affect and help our economy of sports is big mm-hmm. time money and if you mm-hmm. look at America it's big 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 time money I'm telling you and, and so for me it's don't get discouraged from our country it's there's many opportunities um, elsewhere and, right. and you come back and you play for your country to keep pushing for this cause of pay pay us get money involved and, and back on the map mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you've been under so many different great coaches now what would you say from what you've seen what makes a great coach would you say what qualities have you seen that be like okay i can i can actually be myself they're gonna allow me to play my role this is the um, question that you would like wouldn't you <laughs> i be better being a coach um <laughs> For me, my, I was very lucky. The last two coaches, and my first two coaches actually, were very, very good to me. Fundamentals. Fundamentals are you don't need to score. I learned this quick, right? right? So I'm a post player, and I'm getting lobbed passes, and I'm getting you know crazy passes to the post that are near the out-of-bounds play. I do not need to score my basket. All I need to do is catch it. When I'm catching it deep, that means I've brought the defense to me. Of mm-hmm. you know, I'm where, where is usually my catches right next to the basket. Um, so just catching the ball. So I was taught very fundamentals early from my right. first two coaches, and then my last two coaches were um, my Latvian coach. Just put me in very successful positions. That nice. so, for instance, okay, here we go. I'm I'm jump balling. I, I jump ball and my point guard back screens my player who's just jumped ball with me okay. and, pa- and I'm lobbing here you can steal this one and <laughs> so I passed it to my three man my one man is back screening my player and I'm on the run to the rim I've now scored Ooh. my first two points with two or three seconds off the clock and I'm in the game already right. bang I've scored Ooh. right look at that and I'm Appreciate already that's a there you right go. There. Okay. Write, write it down. It's a it's a great play because you've got what three players involved: a back screen, a, a lob pass, and me scoring. And it's just easy. And that's what my Latvian coach got me into. Of 
he would put two back screen plays in for me that I've got four to six points before I've even actually actually had to work and exactly. do a post play, a, a, post, a post move to get my my eight for my 10th point. Right, he, right. he made things so simple. Um, that and then my Great Britain coach, um, Chema, who's still the coach now, um, he was actually a psychologist. And now that I was a commentator, we he was in Serbia with me. And I said, um, I really appreciate the fact that in the wrong hands, a psychologist, especially a man, could be used to the wrong power. Okay. And I find I always love playing for men coaches over than women because I feel like it's just a bit. I feel like it's so easy to play for a man coach because, honestly, as a woman, you just want to. Um, this is could be taken wrong, but you, you want to make a man happy or you know, um, like let me think how can I say this you just want to be you know you want to make him happy in the fact of you want to play minutes and right. you want to be successful so you're doing everything it's just like your dad you know you don't right. want to disappoint your dad you're a daddy's girl right. so you right. do all these right. things um, and then you get either shitted on or they tell you but you know you're terrible because I have played for coaches that absolutely kill your confidence right. um, and there is a fine balance of you know no that is wrong this is not what we're doing but um, you don't realise how influenced you are and that women are just trying to, um, you know, please and, be, and make you happy where the men's game is so egoistic, is very, mm -hmm. no, my points and me and I don't care and where the women's game is so different. It is right. so fundamental. It is so, um, you know, you tell me where to go and I'm going to go there. Right. Right, um, so right. my last coach he was actually a psychologist and he taught us you know um, keeping the game very simple uh, playing for each other and um, and he just like I said put us in successful places and <clears throat> when you take away that pressure of why aren't you doing this or whatever as long as you're trying your hardest that's why GB is so successful right now his mm -hmm. motto is you try your hardest and we do our best what? Right. that's it that right. is it do your best and you are being successful for your team. If you're not doing your best, then you, you, you're not, you're not go any good for us. Right. How simple is that? He, I would, I would draw a double team and I would pass it to the open player and he would get mad at me and go, no, see, that's your, that's your shot. I'm like, no, it's not my shot. But he would make, he would, he would make you so comfortable and so confident that, yeah, that is my shot. And, and, you know what I mean in the right yeah, yeah. context right, and so right, right. he just made you feel so empowered people and you don't realise that actually empowering people you get the best out of them mm -hmm. and and when there are times I'm saying this is there are times that you do need to get on the line and stop messing about and the whistle right. gets blown and there's a fine balance but your overall message is do your best and and, and shoot the shot that's in your repertoire. If I don't shoot my 15 footer and I pass it off, that's messing up our offense because mm. now nobody knows what to do because you haven't shot it and now we're at five, four, three right. and it's a turnover. Right. right, right. So I'm really fortunate. My first two coaches teaching me fundamentals and then my last two coaches putting me in great successful places and also they're understanding the mindset of um, just being relaxed and keeping things simple. Right, it's, it's so, so true because if I take a time out with a 
women's team versus a men's team is two completely different outcomes because I've mm-hmm. been there in the past where I might draw up a play. The play for the men's team was to swing the ball to the weak side. One mm-hmm. person's wide open, they're not a three-point shooter, they'll just jack it up because they're open. I'm like, that wasn't the play. But coach, that was wasn't open. the play. Versus the women's team, they're going to run it to the tee, swing the ball to the weak side where there's no mm-hmm. defense and exploit. So definitely agree with you there. So would you say you're, um, I, I don't want to say you're enjoying the game of basketball being away from it, but you're seeing the game through a new lens now that you've kind of taken a step back away from playing Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, I mean I definitely don't miss it I did a two-week commentary I did the afro basket in uh, Senegal and uh, I thought oh man I'm definitely gonna want to play I'm gonna miss it and you know, I used to love when the, that first, you know, when you walk into the gym for practice and you take the ball out of the bag and you bounce it. I yeah. live for that moment. I love, <laughs> I used to love that sound. I used to love um, when the ball hits nothing but net and you hear. That oh is my, my gosh. gospel, I'm telling you. I'm love telling it, you. Right? right? I don't, I don't love that, those sounds anymore. So I know oh. me being out of the game mm-hmm. is um, the right thing. I did the right move. Right. And now that I commentate, I still get excited watching the game right. and, you know, looking at it through a different lens, like you're saying. And um, I don't miss it. I don't miss it at all. So I'm really happy about that. But <laughs> it's cool now being on the other side of the, the fence of, um, you know, even seeing referees, how much pressure they're put under and, and scrutinised. I didn't know, you know, as a player, you're like, oh, you're an idiot, you didn't call that, but they're actually under, you know, after, I didn't know, after the game, they don't even shower, they go straight to this office room and watch a few plays where they messed up or they've done well. Like, we don't, as players, even get scrutinised like that. You know, imagine watching film, boom, you you finish the game, put the tape on, look at this, look what we've done. Okay, yeah, the next day you might do that, (laughs) but you usually shower, go home, you know, have dinner, have a wine, hang out with your family and relax for that second. But so seeing that side of it is pretty cool. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm so happy that I am still in the game because I truly do love um, basketball and what it it did for me and has done for me um, and is still doing for me, (laughs) uh, commentating. So, but now I don't miss it. You won't see a comeback or out of retirement uh, (laughs) from me at all. So don't uh, get your hopes up. <laughs> and the final question before we wrap up, I do is why basketball? Like you've touched on many different things, but just to sum up, why basketball is important to you? Um, I think I'll go back to the point of um, the friendships that I've made mm-hmm. and the confidence that I've built from the game and being you know, you build a true sisterhood with every new team that I I met, but then also just the opportunities to be paid, you know, uh, to, to play the sport and to put the ball and hear that noise. Right. And, and then also just a free education. You know, I, I, my, I didn't come from anything. So I knew university, even in England or university in America was not um, achievable mm-hmm. for me um, right. financially. So playing the sport, um, you know, I did my four year degree. I've got many opportunities after the fact. And um, so I would say that really is just the 
amplitude of doors that open up for you and even these and this is why i like to give back and you know i could i could be charging a fee because this, this is some serious um gems and dimes <laughs> that i'm dropping but i don't i i like to just you know i go on lots of podcasts if people ask me or whatever or you know i've done other things and i just try and give back in because they're all i can do because there was not really many I didn't really have an idol or I didn't really have somebody to look up to because there was nothing. Mm. There was no basketball, you know, there was no MJ, there was no Lisa Leslie or Lauren Jackson in, in, mm. in England. Who Who is, who are they? They're now the Zamy Stewart's, the Temi Fag Benleys, the Joes, the, mm. the carrying on. We, we are, um, we are those leaders that w- the women's game have overseas. So Indeed. that's why I just try and make sure I have time for these these special moments. So thank you for one asking me to do this and oh, doing course. your podcast. It's wicked, man. Love of it. Of course, of of course. And we're gonna end it off here, guys. That was myself with the Olympian, Azena Stewart. Thank you no so much for music. your time. Okay, guys. This is myself and Azena Stewart signing out.